Hey, Daniel here from Markers on the Map, and this week we explore pirate ships, swamps, lava fields, mine shafts, and more as the gaming adventure takes us to Donkey Kong Country 2, the greatest game for the SNES. We'll share our thoughts on the first half of the game, from levels to music to bosses and themes. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. about me. I have never, not once, ever lost a round of uh, Natsume Championship Wrestling for the Super Nintendo. I have not ever lost a round of that game in my life. We're really going with this one? We're really going with this one. Okay. From <laughs> I've not never, not once, lost a round of this game in my life. Uh, I, don't rem- I don't remember that one. See, I came close. Real close, but you must have pressed uh, the the combination of buttons on the controller to close the game out on the Switch Online app, which automatically results in my continued victory streak in Natsume uh, Championship Wrestling since, of course, the year uh, 1994, I believe it came out. So, reigning champion here. Dude, we found that game out like two days ago. You only I, played. That's the first time you played it, and you closed the application right before, right when I was about to win, because you didn't want to lose. <laughs> Actually, I think I think you triggered the um, the the game crashing glitch first seen in Donkey Kong Country Two in Natsume Championship Wrestling to make the game quit back to the menu on Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> <laughs> see, see now. This is where we're going to have to have a rematch, and it's going to... Watch. We're going to have a rematch, and you better not close it. Here's the thing. I don't like that game. I think we should have a rematch in fighting game with four characters tough enough for the Super Nintendo. Like That game is a four-character fighting game. And I in remember... In the era of Street Fighter 2. <sighs> Street Fighter had, what, like, four, eight off the back, like... Street Fighter 2 had then, 8 characters. Like 4 more, right? Yeah. Tiny and all of them came later. So, for only 4 characters. And it's it's okay. I, I guess the reverse and like fast forwarding and slow-mo like, like kind of like... Watch your replay? Yeah, replay you do after uh, you win the fight. It's kind of cool. Other than that, uh, I remember people having this game and it, it'll always look cool. The cover looks cool. It looks like All Might. Yes, I was I was gonna bring that up because I had a friend that said, "Oh, it looks like that looks like All Might." And then when we were playing it, you also said, "Hey, it kind of reminds me of All Might," which he does look like All Might. I don't know, maybe All Might looks like him, but nevertheless, I always see I always saw the cover like, "Hey, this game looks like a beat 'em up game. It looks kind of cool. It's a fighting game." It, it was ahead of its time with that replay feature, and you know we've been playing a lot of the Super Nintendo Switch Online offerings and. Speaking of things that were ahead of its time, and beat-em-ups, uh, the Peacekeepers, featuring a color palette thing that lets you change 
each of the 15 color values for every character based on RGB values. And why why isn't something like that in a modern... Why isn't that in Streets of Rage 4, hmm? I just think no one wants to go through each individual character and change each individual color. I think they're at some point someone's just like, why don't we just add color uh, variations to each character as a skin? True. But at the same time, nowadays they can make that easier with like a color wheel or a color slider instead of having to learn or adjust RGB values. I just thought when we got to that, I was amazed by it. By this <laughs> insane, silly little SNES, you know, beat em up having such a robust color editor for not only every character, but every enemy and also in-game objects. That is true. The game came out like 96, 94, around that yeah, time. Yeah, it was like something around there, so. Oy, a lot of There's a lot of interesting games on that service. Are we going to talk about how we went through that entire game without having any of the music on? Because we forgot to change oh the settings. Oh my god, yeah. The peacekeepers when you edit the um <laughs> when you edit the like the difficulty or set the controls up or you know, go into your options, it, it for some reason puts background sound as the default like thing, so you're only hearing in game sounds and you're not hearing any of the music. And and then I was thinking of the prequel to the prequel to Peacekeepers Brawl Brothers that has this first level that we took like thirty minutes to get through because it's got one of those like <laughs> Mario NES style things where you have to go in the right path, otherwise it sets you either back to the beginning or back to another room and for some reason we were tripped up on it until like one of us noticed that there was a letter at the start of every area and, and we just like it, it continued to baffle us. So if if you get the chance, listener and you have a Switch, check out those Super Nintendo games, especially if you haven't played some of them. You find some good stuff there, and you find some interesting relics there. So There's a good game there, too, though. There's a couple of, couple of real good games. You know, last week we did Donkey Kong Country, and this week we're doing Donkey Kong Country 2 on Markers on the Map. And as usual, I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Robert. And how have you been this week? I've been all right. If we discuss this, I've kind of been in a, in a, in a funk with games recently. Mm-hmm. and But this is a game I think, honestly, it probably did take me out of my funk a little bit better than, or like, pretty much I've been in a funk, and then playing this game actually made it, like, a little bit better. Yeah. And for me, I, I've i been in a, in a different type of funk. When I get in a funk where I play a ton of games, but I just, like, play them without generally caring i've been playing a lot of monster hunter world and i do care but like i've just been playing it to play something and i beat age of calamity last night but you know i lost so much interest in the story that i'll have to watch it at some point but just the act of doing dynasty warriors going through mobs and mobs of enemies and just playing the game has has been has been good for me plus there's this this month's ps plus games greedfall i have my gripes with but that's for another time. But uh, <laughs> this Tomb Raider, the the Shadow of the Tomb Raider, seems to me like the best of the trilogy. But we'll see how it goes. I just got to the open world part of it, so we'll see how that goes. But we we are in a yeah. lull moment for both games and news. I think at the beginning of a new year. Yeah. However, it is starting to pick up a little, and we have a couple of quick news stories for the week. Um, PS4 productions ending on most models so pro i believe in the original one i think 
slim, maybe? No, the slim... Whatever the case, only one of them is going to be produced, the one 500-gigabyte model. So it's kind of, like, interesting that they're ending production on most of them this quickly. But I feel like that last one might stay around for a little longer. For what I'm thinking, it probably still costs a good amount to have it. Uh, I guess not. It, it takes probably a good amount to produce a Pro. And... I'm pretty sure they want to sell their new product, which is PS5. So, I, I'm surprised that if they still made original-looking ones, I'm surprised that they still did. But those should have been like out of production since the Slim came out. But the Slim should probably be the only one that is going to be made because all that stuff they can use for the Pro, instead of using it for the Pro, they just put it for new PS5s. Most likely, that's the way I see it. Yeah. So... And, you know, your PS5 can play your PS4 games, and it's not like Sony's abandoning the PS4 ecosystem, considering their, I believe Jim Ryan said something about them making PS4 games or supporting it for at least a couple more years. And we, we talked about this, of course, back in the test podcasts and also earlier episodes where we're like, they're not, they're, the PS4 is not going anywhere we, we can see from the PS5 games release schedule that the PS4 is still getting games, and the PS5 hasn't quite gotten into its, like, flow of getting new games consistently yet. So we'll see what happens with that. Now, some company acquisition news. Nintendo bought Next Level Games. So we've talked about companies being acquired on this podcast before, um, like Bethesda and Microsoft, and our hopes that Sony will acquire Bluepoint at some point. But uh, Nintendo got Next Level Games. You probably know their games Punch-Out for the Wii, Luigi's Mansion for the 3DS, uh, Metroid Prime Federation Force, and the most recent game they did was Luigi's Mansion 3. So this is a company that's basically worked with Nintendo already, but now there's this formal purchase, I guess. So what other ones have they done? Well, besides the Mansions and Federation Force and the Punch-Out, they did Super Mario Strikers and Mario Strikers Charged, but they've also done a Spider-Man game, Friend or Foe, for the Wii, and Xbox and PS2. I, I played it on the Wii. I, I have played that. Um, they did Ghost Recon, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon for the Wii uh, back in 2010, the on-rails version of War for Cybertron for the Wii, and a few other games. But I was looking at a canceled title by uh, Next Level Games called Super Mario Spikers. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a volleyball game. That's that's pretty cool. Super Mario Spikers is a hybrid of volleyball and wrestling. And when I thought about wrestling, my mind immediately turned to hit SNES wrestling game Natsume Championship Wrestling, which I have never lost a round of ever. Dude, I beat you the first time we played the game. Just get over it. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard of it, and I remember hearing about a volleyball slash wrestling game, and I think the reason, uh, at least what I've heard, that the reason why it wasn't made is because the wrestling was too real. Ah. Uh. It wasn't like, like, kind of fun, like, party game, like Smash Bros. It was like, the best way I could describe it is that they actually got real people in, in mocaps to, like, actually perform the moves, and they just render them on the characters. Mm-hmm. So, I think... That's when they'll, like, kind of edge... Honestly, that's a weird time ever, because that's when, like, Mario uh, Strikers came out. And that's when, like, it was, like, edgy, like, sport, like, yeah, everybody hardcore, had really cool like, design. Mario. The artwork 
for strikers was awesome. But that's a weird era that I I forget sometimes that that existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've played them. They're they're all right. Anyway, <laughs> next level games, pretty cool. Couple quick news stories. Fall Guys released a trailer for Doom costumes. Um, I think it's a Cyber Demon. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the the like flying, like spherical looking guys, and the Doom Slayer himself. So I'm looking forward to that. I've got like 20 crowns or thereabouts to buy a few Doom costumes. That's pretty good. 20 crowns. Yeah. <laughs> Monster Hunter had an event this morning and announced a demo for Monster Hunter Rise for Switch. They showed off new monsters that are coming to the game, old returning favorites. Um, the demo will be available till February 1st and gives players a chance to use all 14 of the weapons. So the thing about Monster Hunter is that all the weapons play so differently that it's not just like you're, you 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 cannot approach the game using a different weapon in the same way you'd use one of them. So I always thought that's cool because like you know in normal like melee brawler games you press square to attack and your sword will attack and then your axe will attack. But in in Monster Hunter the way you have to approach the situation is completely different. So that's happening. Star Wars: The High Republic started its little rollout of books, comics. Um, but Squadrons added another little bit of DLC content with a High Republic hilt for your ship. So, like, I guess this game's getting minuscule updates from time to time. So, maybe in the future, you know, some more new maps. <laughs> Probably, hopefully an upgrade. Oh, hopefully an upgrade. Yeah, that'd be cool. I haven't tried it on PS5 yet, so I don't know how the load times are, but this is cross play cross-platform so i don't know i mean like i said this game gets enough support they'll do it mm-hmm. and then it seems like it's getting the support too true and speaking of new little incremental minuscule updates tetris 99's got another event this week every time they do an event you get like 100 points by playing online and you get a new like theme for your tetris 99 setup so i like that they do that every now and then i try not to miss them now, one last little bit. Uh, Microsoft asked people in a survey whether or not they'd want DualSense features in the Series X and Series S controllers. Have you heard about this? I did hear about this. And I I hope they actually do something about it, too, because I think one of the best parts about the PS5 is the controller. Yeah, it really feels like they made an effort to make it seem like this is a new machine. Whereas Xbox is kind of like, this is the Xbox you can play all the Xbox stuff in. It doesn't necessarily feel, to me, personally, as shiny. Yeah, it it's one of those things where I guess the controller has been the same for years now. It, it you know it used to be where Bluetooth was enough like oh it being wireless and Bluetooth and rechargeable was good enough and that was kind of like the next gen thing when like the PS3 and 360 came out but now with like with two generations of wireless controllers it's like what else could they do for it and Sony kind of knocked it out of the park honestly because once you use the Dual Sense and the features with it it, it changes how. Because I remember the, the first day I had the PS5 and I had the controller and then I went like the next day back to PS4 to like switch some things over and all that. It felt weird. The Dual the DualShock 4 just felt weird after using the DualSense for like a day. 
Yeah, I, I rotate between the two, and the DualSense build always feels more sturdy. Also a little bigger, because I've been playing a lot of PS4 games and using DualShock 4 for that. But just the build quality is good. The features are good if you want to have them on. The controller feels like it, it's premium. Like you're getting what you paid for with it and just they they didn't have to add haptics and stuff but they did and it's cool so maybe in the future microsoft will add something similar for just to have it there you know hopefully because they they can i mean like i'm more for everyone getting in on it because it, it is a game changer yeah you know what game should have haptic trigger support what what are the game? Natsume Championship Wrestling, a game Dude. a game I have never not once lost at, and I will not I will not have my championship name dragged through the mud. <laughs> Dude, we found this game out like two days ago. Actually, I think we found it out like yesterday. You know what they say? Two days ago was like the new twenty, however many odd years ago. Natsume Championship Wrestling was released. Anyway, dude, don't even you what you you completely like beat me in Puyo Puyo like fifty times. That's true, that's true, and I guess that is the more, <laughs> that's the more well recognized game here. <laughs> oh, the rivalry will continue. <laughs> I actually found this week's Nintendo Direct rumor, sponsored by Markers on the Map presents Trial by Energy Drink. This week's flavor is Companion Cucumber Lime. And our rumor is for a little game called Space Pirates of the Caribbean at Universe's End. And it reads, I know there's tons of fans of the Metroid series who are just waiting for the next installment in the franchise. So allow me to present this new spin-off set in the Metroid universe. Ridley's band of Zabesian space pirates have... After 10,000 years of exile, come to conquer Earth's oceans in ferocious sci-fi naval combat. What they do not anticipate is the mighty Captain Jack Sparrow and his merry crew of Earth pirates to stand in their way. In this ship-to-ship combat adventure, plays a variety of characters as you go through both the hero and the villain stories. Drive your ship or give orders to the crew. Manage your allies' stats and weaponry, and flank your opponents in some of the wildest broadside combat ever devised on console. Encounter famous pirate lords like Barbosa or Ridley, and engage in multi-tiered boss battles to shake the Switch to its very core. Enlist the help of crossover characters to help ensure your side is victorious. The space pirates call upon K. Rule to help blast those thieving earth pirates into the skies, while Captain Jack Sparrow's crew calls upon the celestial emissary, Quisp, to save humanity with a little help from some golden flying saucers full of crazy energy. Customize every last detail of every character with the logical advancement of the Peacekeeper's color customization system last seen in 1993. Set sail solo or in PvE co-op where up to eight people can tangle against foes in increasingly difficult missions and raids. Then take your squad online for PvP battles against the world's top sea dwellers. It's land versus space, and be on the lookout for DLC characters and missions for each side of this war, like the One Piece crew on Sparrow's side or Hondo Anaka's gang for the space pirates. Dive from the cosmos into the deep depths, 
rise from the water into the celestial beyond, conquer all foes, and set sail for adventure in Space Pirates of the Caribbean at Universe's End. I'ma be real. We don't have any naval combat games that aren't like free-to-play naval combat games on the Switch or the PS5 for that matter. And I'm I'm really interested in this one because I think that's a genre that doesn't get explored too often. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean, though. Oh, you, you know, pirates, it's, you know, they're there. <laughs> I mean, who can ever like pirates? Man, what's, what, what's, what's cool and it's pirate theme? Come on, it never existed. I like Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have never seen Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my god, they're really good. I think there's five of them. I've never seen them. The most recent one has Javier Bardem as Salazar. Salazar. I know, but King K. Rule, that's where, that's where it has Yeah, yeah, me. yeah. I mean, King K. Rule is a crossover character. Look, it's got Quisp in it. You know, that serial mascot from the 60s with the propeller on his head with, you know, his golden flying saucer cereal that tastes like Captain Crunch, but it totally isn't Captain Crunch. It just has a similar taste. See, I think they messed up, though. I think they should have had Captain K. Rule. That's where they messed up. See, I believe that they'll have K. Rule in all of his forms. And since you can change all the cosmetics, you can, you can outfit him in his captain's garb. Maybe. I don't know. I think King and Captain are two different people, but who knows? Maybe, maybe. Um, we've also got the One Piece crew. So that's, you know, another, like, what, ten characters? And Hondo Anaka's gang from Star Wars, which brings Star Wars into the Metroid universe. This is just a game, I guess, in lieu of there not being a, a regular Metroid game in a, a, a undisclosed handful amount of years. So we'll just have to settle with the spinoffs. Did you know Next Level Games, like I said, they made Federation Force a a spinoff of, of the Metroid game that I have not played? You know this reminds me of? What? ncw oh kind of it reminds me of a little game that called ncw where i think you probably i think you lost right no i've i've actually never lost a round of ncw believe it or not i've never gotten to a screen that says winner loser with me on the on the loser side in ncw Uh, my mind might be slipping then yeah yeah i i mean the game crashed before (laughs) before it hit that screen (laughs) See, now I'm going to bring this up every day until <laughs> I'm going to catch you slipping one of these days. It, it won't matter if we never play that game again. I'm keeping my title champion it. of no. Natsume Championship Wrestling for the Super Nintendo. All right, all right. <laughs> Let's move on to games here. We got one game this week, right? Yeah. The big one. Donkey Kong Country 2. So we decided we were going to do the, the three donkey kong country games in order because news is slow here at the at the beginning of the year i think both of us are in agreement where we might disagree about one and three that this is the best game in the trilogy and the best game on the super nintendo best game in the trilogy best game on the super nintendo and probably one of the best part of the greatest platforming game like ever and you know, we're not saying that lightly because I agree with that too. I don't think there's a better game in the genre than this. And even though I feel like most modern platformers borrowed more from 3, I do believe that some of the wrong things 
from 3 were borrowed for modern platformers. So if you want something at its purest level of platforming joy, look no further than Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest. So much like last week, we're going to go through um, sequentially. We're going to go through in order and just talk about the levels here. Um, I will start by saying last week, uh, shame on us, we did not mention Funky Kong not once last week. So I'm going to start off by giving uh, my boy Funky a shout out. See though, but do we really need to shout out Funky Kong? Because we didn't really use him. I, I think that's why we didn't bring him up. I mean, we didn't use him, sure, but he's there. He deserves that respect, Funky Kong. Now, now, forget about Candy and Wrinkly and Swanky and all that. Or Cranky, even. Well, we did bring up Cranky, but Funky Kong, he deserves that respect. It's like getting a participation certificate. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, you're, you're, you're here. He was there. The, but, you know, this led to the eventual new Funky mode. And I'm pretty sure he was in Mario Kart Wii as well. But, you know, let, we'll get Funky Kong out of the way. Funky Kong is in this game, and he's got a really cool song when you go to Funky's Flights, too. So, let's see. The setup, Donkey Kong in, uh, is kidnapped by Captain K. Rule, who may or not be the, um, the villain from the end of Donkey Kong Country. And Diddy and Dixie Kong his girlfriend and best character in the series are off to save him. I remember I the one thing I will give the Game Boy version is that all of them had a cool cutscene. Oh. And I remember the cutscene for this one is just DK chilling on the beach, sipping on a on a smoothie I, I would assume or something. And Funky Kong just uh surfboarding on on the ocean waves. And he falls. And he falls. But then <laughs> here comes pirate uh, Captain K. Rue, and he they just straight up, they just beat up Donkey Kong on the beach. And I just find it hilarious. Not that he got beat up, but come on, you're gonna beat him up while he's on vacation on the beach? I know, he's not even, he's not even on the job of trying to protect the Horde right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, speaking of the Game Boy Advance version, when I first played this game, it was on the Game Boy Advance, and I did not know, again, that this was... That was just a port of the SNES version. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if I knew at the point that I played this on the Game Boy Advance that there was a GBA version of the first game because I grew up with Donkey Kong Country 1 on the Game Boy Color. So playing this at like a GameStop demo kiosk back when the Game Boy Advance version came out in the early 2000s was kind of like revolutionary for me. So I have a fondness both in music and theme for the Game Boy Advance version so if something pops up, I'll be sure to chime in with that. <laughs> so, uh, first world gangplank galleon, first level pirate panic. Uh, perfect introduction. Really sets the theme, the pirate theme of the game. Um, a few secrets you showed me. Yeah. Um, in the very first, I, I'll get to it, but it's in the first level, right when you start and you go uh kind of jump like leap off a little cliff there's like a door opening if you go in there there's just a a, a note that king uh, captain k rule leaves for you to find and a and a one-up balloon but there's a cool little developer like uh easter egg because in this game there are uh a there's a whole entire world and i think it's just called like the lost world but the 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 levels themselves are just called the lost levels uh, you need you need uh, special coins. There's a cool little cheat. I would I guess I could say 
where you have to like jump over a certain pile of, a certain batch of bananas collect another batch jump back go in the in the room get out kind of do that a couple times and then uh, a kremlin coin will will spawn in that room and when you collect it it actually uh will give you 75 uh coins so basically it will max you out to the max amount of coins you need in order to unlock all the lost levels which is a lot easier than collecting them because you know this game has some tricky ones yeah so uh we'll talk about at least almost all the lost levels except for two but i think one of the out of uh one of the two that we didn't do i'm happy we didn't yeah that that like infamous just like lost level yeah we'll get to that so pirate panic happens and then main brace mayhem we've got a nice sky-based theme going in here with some really cool music some like you know like a happy little tune that plays in main brace mayhem and this game introduces this whole climbing on rope mechanic that you know we we had ropes in donkey kong country one but we didn't have whole levels based around the idea of moving up down side to side on ropes so this is kind of the first level to do that and kind of sets the game apart from donkey kong country one it's the first where we ever where we see horizontal play when it comes to rope climbing yeah. it's all been vertical um now the third level gangplank galley to me this always stuck out as the main level of donkey kong country uh two it feels to me like Pirate Panic was good as an introduction, but for some reason Gangplank Galley with the hooks and everything always stuck out to me as like this is what you would say is like the main quote unquote level of, of Donkey Kong Country 2. I always enjoyed this level. See, looking back on it now, the first three levels are actually pretty good introductions to the game because it gives you the structure of, the, of how it's going to be played and then the second one shows you that now there's going to be vertical play. And this one just now shows you how, like, there's hooks. And then later in the mine levels where you kind of have to, like, fly and, and, like, grab onto the hooks. I didn't realize that these first three levels are actually, like, pretty good. Actually, this whole first world is a really it good. It is like, very good. It'll, the game will never throw a weird mechanic that's only in, like, one level. The first world kind of just really shows you everything you need to know and understand. Yeah. And, you know, that, that carries over into things. Whether or not certain other mechanics pop up in other levels these basic things this game does a really good job of making sure you know how to deal with the new content of donkey kong country 2 because a lot of this stuff was not present in the first game you didn't have hooks you didn't have vertical and horizontal rope levels like entire levels based off the fact you also didn't have water levels that take place on both land and water like lockjaw's locker first water level of the game one of the greatest musical compositions ever devised for a video game ever by david wise uh lockjaw's saga i was always a fan of the water levels in dkc2 because of this song like despite how the levels themselves like go on the song always made me excited to play a water level and that's not something you can do easily in a video game make me excited to play a water level that's true actually yeah i think i i think in my personal opinion this is probably the greatest water levels in general not only the music but i i do like the way it's kind of laid out yeah it's not like other and i like the theme where you're kind of inside i guess the bottom of the ship or you're just kind of like going through some I, I just really like the theme of the level too yeah and then we have another one of those uh those masked levels topsail trouble 
and that's the one with uh, Rattly, right? The first time we ever play is Rattly. Oh, this is where, yeah, this is where we find out that no, in Donkey Kong, the one thing that they can't get down is a a good animal buddy that can just jump really high. Yeah, uh, Rattly is they is can't... the worst buddy. <laughs> He's his his thing is so weird. Where we'll get to him in another level, but let's just say that in some moments you can jump midair, and I'm still confused on how it's done. I'm like, yeah, if if it's not a bug, it's a feature, and I don't know what I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a feature or a bug. His, his idle animation is him bouncing, and whether or not he's yeah. up in the air already, you will still do the jump animation, even if it looks like he's already jumped. It's just a weird it's a weird idle animation. Uh, yeah. Anyway, here's where we here's where we kind of like separate the games. Crow's Nest is the first boss, and it is maybe not the most involved boss since Donkey Kong Country one, but it's nothing compared to you know Naughty Rampage at the beginning of uh, Congo Jungle. This isn't this is a boss where you have to dodge, you have to throw things. You're not just jumping on his head, so you know from here that this game is going to be a little more challenging in the boss department. I mean, it's a, it's a good boss fight, but uh, what's great about this boss fight, and like I said, I'll give this to the Game Boy version. Oh, for sure. There's a later, there's, in, the, in this one, it doesn't, when you defeat the crow, it just kind of shows like, oh, you defeated it. But in the Game Boy version, when you defeat the crow, you can see his uh, spirit leave his body, because and uh the one of the later worlds in this game is kind of a ghost world so he basically becomes a a boss twice creepy crow becomes a a a boss twice i guess because you defeat him once in his normal state and then you defeat him in his uh ghost state in the i think it's like almost like second to last world like almost before you hit the last one but i like the first boss fight against him a little better than that one (laughs) that is true Alright, World 2, Crocodile Cauldron. Here's something crazy for you. The lava world is World 2. When does that ever happen in anything? Usually lava's final world. It's Bowser's castle. It's, you know, the fire level. It's usually last. It's the the <laughs> big explosion in the end of Halo 3. Yeah. So, Hothead Hop. We start with Hothead Hop. That is a level where you jump on lava-based crocodile heads and some of them bounce you up. It's definitely different, but at the same time, very cool. And the song that they play on the lava theme is also really cool. So it's a great introduction to the world. A very fun level, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it shows that one barrel enemy that you say, uh, you will admit, and I want you to say it, that you will admit right now that the SNES version of that enemy is better on the SNES. Yeah, the the clobbers are better on the SNES because they make this like very echoed, deep echoed like yell when you get to them versus the Game Boy Advance version where they just kind of go eh, like it's like there's no umph to it. But on on the SNES version, this is a lot of the sound effects are better. Um, another one that's got a better sound effect is Cloak, who shows up in the more ghosty levels later on. So, or in the some of the swamp levels, even. Anyway, Cannon's Claim. I think this, like, Cannon's Claim is 
the song, I mean, might overtake Sticker Brush Symphony as my favorite in the game. It's such a good song, and Cannon's Claim is such a good level, where you're, you know, going up the mine shaft against Cannon, which is that bigger Kremlin that's shooting the cannons at you, so... Something about these mine levels always stuck with me. I think it's the song. It's the song and it's the colors in the background. I really like the way the crystals just uh, illuminate in the background. See, on the Game Boy Advance version, since it's brighter, the, 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 the backgrounds always really popped in these levels. Like, some of the backgrounds in the Game Boy Advance version, you gotta, you gotta hand it to them. They're really beautiful. Especially when there's a lot more, like... There's a darker atmosphere in the in the SNES version, um, but the Game Boy Advance u- version uses these opportunities to make the colors really pop out. And like for some reason, it's just this one always stuck with me. It's the easiest mine level, but it's also just one of the best levels in the game. <laughs> and after that's Lava Lagoon, another first. Lava instead of water, and you have to kind of uh, freeze it or turn it into normal water, I should say, with Clapper the Seal. See. This, I never... Well, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about a seal breathing on... I guess seals live in cold areas, so that's why his breath would stop the lava from getting hot. Yeah, it's like ice breath, because we know in a later level he freezes the water that's regular water. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that makes sense, actually. I was thinking, like, well, is this a seal... I guess do seals kind of live in, like, colder weather, so it does kind of make sense. Yeah. And put it this way. It's just another cool way to hear Lockjaw's Saga playing in the background. <laughs> I actually do like this level. It kind of it kind of wants to bring you back later on throughout the game because maybe you missed a secret because you were in a rush. But then it's like, well, maybe there's a secret I probably missed somewhere that was right in front of me. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got Red Hot Ride. Um, not not I'm not big on this one. It is pretty good, but I'm not big on it. It's the one with the hot air balloons. See, that's that what I thought can... this was. Yeah, you have to control the hot air balloons and make sure you don't fall and. You know, you, you can't fall off the hot air balloons. You can jump off it, but you can't fall just by controlling it. Um, not my favorite, but again, it's a combination of the levels with the music and the level theming that really just makes it a joy to play, which is why I never really mind it. I will give this level this. Rambi actually works very well in this level. Oh yeah, he does show up. I think I think Rambi does it really shines through this level, which is weird because it's a level you wouldn't expect Rambi to be good at. But he's actually a really good animal companion in this one. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not good for speedrunners, but I'm not a speedrunner. True. We got another mine level, Squawks' Shaft. It's another one that's okay. Again, I'm, the best levels for me are the ones where you don't have the animal buddies, but if if push comes to shove, Squawks' Shaft is still set in those mines, and it's still a pretty fine level. But it's tougher than you'd expect a level to be on World 2. True. That that is very true because his I guess he spits up a thing like coconuts, but some enemies are I think like the boomerang ones or not even like a boom. Well, it's kind of like I I don't actually don't know. It's a hook, right? It's not a boomerang. Yeah, yeah, hook. Yeah, it's a hook. I was I was I'm probably confusing with another game, but the hook enemy like how he throws him and it comes back like you kind of have to get him at at a downwards like angle where like you have to kind of get him from behind because you're trying to get him like forward the hook is either gonna hit you when it goes forward or when it's coming back towards him and then you showed me that there's ways that you can finesse this that i just didn't even consider and i've played this game more times than i can count (laughs) yeah it's like 
yeah, squawks can't go through the floors, but his coconuts can. So you can, at a certain angle, shoot it out, and then through. eventually it'll land on an enemy's head or, or their back or something like that. There's something I learn something new every day, or every time I play this game. So next up, my favorite boss, Cleaver's Kiln. The sword. You fight a sword. I mean, I don't even know what to say. See, it's just a great boss. <laughs> in the first phase, it's weird because you can see that the lava is holding the sword. But then when you throw the cannonball at it three times, you think like, oh, that's it. It's three times it's over. No, And then he obviously the sword just starts flying out of nowhere. What's controlling the sword at that point? The sword itself, right? Yeah, it's just like sentient out of nowhere. It's amazing. I think this is the only boss that uses a hooks mechanic. No, uh, Creepy Crow does, but this is the only one that uses it in a good way. True. I would say he wasn't that tough of a boss fight. Oh, he's definitely not tough. Um, I remember the trailer for the Game Boy Advance version because I thought this was a new game. They showed the sword, and I was like, what the heck, I want to fight this sword. I was excited to fight this sword. I was excited, I was surprised, I mean, to, to see him come up in World 2, but what a great boss. What an unexpected, completely out-of-the-blue-like boss. <laughs> this one has, I think 2 probably has some of the weirdest bosses, but they're, yeah. they're really fun. So we'll move on to Krem Key, um, Barrow Bio, first swamp level. Um, it's it's fine. Not much to say. There's The theming is cool. The song is memorable. I, I like the Bayou levels. I actually yeah. like the theme. The theme is probably one of my favorites out of the second one. Yeah, I like the greens and stuff. Um, So that, that shows up a few times. Um, So we have Glimmer's Galleon. Oy. Now, Glimmer's Galleon is that one with the the fish that lights the way for you, basically. You don't really need it, I guess. But on the Game Boy Advance version, you didn't need it at all. Because, you know, as you know, the Game Boy Advance games had to be brightened significantly. So that they wouldn't look bad on the, the non-SP GBA. So, Glimmer's Galleon, I always remember it as the green water level of this game. And that's really all I have to say about it. Cool water level. But, you know, the gimmick of this level is, is a light gimmick. And those, in the Game Boy Advance version, those don't really matter. See, <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want this Animal Buddy to count. I remember when we were talking about there wasn't any new Animal Buddies. But I said, no, what about the Anglerfish? Or, no, you said there weren't any, like, light-giving uh, Animal Buddies. Like, how, uh, was it, uh, not Swanky, um... Squawked was in the first one? I can't remember if I was saying th about this one or the little one in Donkey Kong Country 3 that, like, eats. I, w I don't know if I considered that to be an animal buddy. So, yeah, that's just, like, I think I think it was the, the light thing. I think you said there wasn't any more, like, light-giving animal buddies. I said, no, the anglerfish in the second one. It's just, like, in the Game Boy version, it just, like, absolutely does not matter. You can completely see what you're doing and where you're going and all that. So, I don't know. The, the, the sacrifices they made for the Game Boy Advance version, though, just are so nice to me. I just really love the colors of it for some reason. Anyway, Crockhead Clamber is next. Crockhead Clamber is a swamp level where you are jumping on the crocodile heads, kind of like back in the lava world. Um, but this time you have to like trigger them via a barrel. I wasn't big on this level, but this level gives gives me some problems. <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 still pretty good. You should probably mention that there's actually two different type of uh, 
Crocs. There's the yeah, yeah. There's the ones brown you jump ones, on, and then there's and then the green the ones, ones that that like bounce you up. Yeah. Um, it's more important in this level than it is back on uh the uh, Hothead Hop, but you know the Swamp level got that good music going on, good theme. I don't. I don't have too much to say on Crockhead Clamber. I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of this level. I think you played it on our playthrough. I think I did. I think. I guess the one thing too is that Dixie, more more or less, is probably the main Kong we want throughout these levels like this. Oh, for sure, because she's got her helicopter hair, so she's got yeah. this like float mechanic where you can travel further and just spin in the air, and you know she's not as agile speed wise as Diddy, but. But she is very fun to use. Oh yeah! Also, be- top top tier character design. Yeah, because there's there's those moments where you can use her ability to kind of just oh by a, an inch you can just make it, but it's worth it because those those inches matter because you can either grab a ledge or just not make it at all and just fall straight flat down with playing Diddy. All right, now rattle battle. Ooh, a precursor of things to come. It takes place on the ship. You play as Rattly and do not want. At least this is better than what comes up in the first half of a particular level that we will talk about soon. See, <laughs> what's crazy about it too is that this is all the jump enemy, all the jump animal buddies are the worst. But at least in the first one, there wasn't like there wasn't three levels of that of, with Winky. But then there's like there's so much with like Bradley the snake. Yeah. It's like, they oh, come overboard. on. Yeah, they kind of went overboard with the jump. I'd rather have a couple more Rambi at levels. Yeah, I mean, he shows up later on, too. Rambi in, in a beehive level in, in Antics. And I believe in the first, in, in the um, the Jungle Jinx level, right? He shows up in that? The first Lost level? I could uh, be on. No. Well, I, complete, I, I, I like how we forgot about this animal, buddy. The art. The We're trying spider. to suppress the lost levels. <laughs> no, the spider. We forgot, completely forgot about the new spider. Oh my, uh, friendly yeah. in the second world. We forgot about him. Oh, Squitter. Yeah, Squitter. he shows up in in Hothead Hop, right? Yeah, so I for, but, forgot about him. But he doesn't get his big level until the um, the the Haunted World. Yeah, which is quite the level, I will say, and always gave me problems. <laughs> So we will get to him. Um, this is a new animal friend. Yeah, you like Squitter. I don't. I like you showed Squitter. me that you can control the the webs, but we'll get to that. What I want to get to though, in right after slime, right after slime climb is Bramble Blast. But we can't go without talking about slime climb. That's a game in Fall Guys, where you got to dodge all the obstacles and not get knocked off into the thing. You know slime climb actually yeah that is a level i didn't think about that but but it's also in donkey kong country too where i feel like you're doing the same thing the 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 poison water is rising but you're doing one of these vertical rope based levels so and you're trying not to get knocked off by the kremlings i think this is the better climbing rising poison water level of the game if i'm being completely honest i don't i don't like the other one at all this is the one. This is the first time it shows. I don't like that piranha though. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's such a meanie, bro. He won't. Yeah. He he will get you so quick if you're in the water. You have literally less than half a second in order to get it because he's so quick with it. 
It reminds me of one of those fish that are in some of those Mario levels, like those Mario World levels where the fish chases you in the water. Oh, Big Bertha? Something like that. There's one that just chases you as soon as you get in. It reminds me of that. Yeah, that, I, I think it's that one. As, as far as rising levels go, this is, this is the better one versus a certain particular... Um, let's just say toxic tower in in the final world (laughs) by default compared to the rest of them yeah this is probably one of the easier ones to do and then we cover we of course have bramble blast the first appearance of uh, sticker bush symphony but not the best level with that theme or song this is kind of probably the worst level that features that theme and song it's just a, a maze of barrel blasting and it's not my favorite. We we talked about Snow Barrel Blast last time with Donkey Kong Country 1, and those levels that are purely focused on barrel blasting aren't, aren't my favorite, but this one's more like labyrinthine. What fixes this one is the song. It's great song that everybody just loves. And they, again, David Wise redid it for Tropical Freeze, and it's just... It, it takes a level you wouldn't like and makes it tolerable. It is probably the greatest song ever produced by david wise in my opinion it's probably my favorite i'd say for me it's top three with canon's claim and i'm not going to count the gba donkey kong country 3 songs because those are in a league of their own for me those are awesome most of the time but if if we were doing just original david wise this canon's claim and like factory fright from ukulele and the impossible layers Hmm. his best work but uh yeah, it, it's a great song. But Everybody knows this song. I think... I, honestly, I don't find this one that bad. The, as a barrel level, I actually think this is easier than the one in the first one. The snow it's one. It's easier. It's just so long. It it's is. It's such a long level. And, you know, if you make a mistake, you're getting a big setback. Surprisingly, you didn't make a mistake in our, in our playthrough. You kind of just went through the, the whole thing. Was this the time when I hit the ceiling and thought I was going to lose and then I didn't take the hit for some reason? Yes. Okay. Some weird stuff happened on our playthroughs of these games. Yeah. A few things on this, uh, definitely a few things on the third game. But yeah, I think I hit the ceiling on a spike and I didn't get hit. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just not question this. Don't question like, it. Right my, that's always, yeah, that's always my thing. <laughs> just don't question it. Just go with it. So we got Bramble Blast and the boss of Krem Key, Cudgel. Ooh. <laughs> <sighs> he, he's the most disappointing boss. Yeah. He's just a reskin. That's all. He, he's just a reskin I've already used. Yeah, he's a reskin of Clubba. He's gray, but oh man, what a weird boss! <laughs> I, I, uh, he has. It's like almost like it feels like twelve hits in order to defeat him, but I think it's like eight. I think it it's, just I takes think it's like so eight. long. Yeah, it takes super long and it drags on for a good while. This is why it seems like the bosses in Donkey Kong Country. This is my gripe with the series. The bosses get longer and more like tiresome and once you get to returns and tropical freeze the bosses are preventing me personally from wanting to replay those as much but i digress cudgels contest is one of those like long-winded things and that's not to say there's more long-winded bosses coming up because there is it's just that he doesn't feel as special as yeah he doesn't feel as epic it's just a fighting an enemy that you've seen a reskin of a couple of times by now especially if you're doing lost levels uh as you go through the world you know on the game boy advance version all the lost levels are accessible from the map of the lost world you don't have to go in you don't have to go in world by world i was i was playing through a few of them 
or trying to go into a few of them, I should say. Oh, um, not know that. When I was playing the GBA version the other day, but yeah, uh, I always found it weird that you have to go in. You can only access one from each world. I guess it gives you an excuse to use Funky's Flight. Yeah, mo- probably most likely. So as far as l- world theming goes, what's coming next? And we're saving it for a part two, which we'll do next week. It is quite possibly the most unique and interesting world they've ever done in in a game. Combining beehives with amusement parks. <laughs> so Crazy Kremland is such a standout. And I don't want to rush us through talking about any of the levels. So we're gonna we're gonna save that for next week's part two, along with the gloomy gulch k rules keep um our final little levels here and the lost world so we'll we'll talk about those next week but i think the first half of the game here um base game i should say not counting lost levels is a good is a good place to stop and we've got a lot to say especially on these later levels i think even more than the 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 initial ones here especially the castle levels so we will we will bring that to you next week and then of course donkey kong country 3 after that so any last remarks on these first couple of worlds here did the uh, life stealing barrel guy appear yet have no, we met the him life yet? stealer has not appeared yet okay so he's, he's not until he's part very two. rare and yeah he's very very later on like the castle level all right yeah. Th- other than that i have this first part the best enemy the the main boss in the world too for sure yeah, yeah. cleaver's kiln yeah the sword he's probably the best the best enemy best boss i i really liked the pirate theme that they're going for in this game it's a little more cohesive it's very cohesive actually even the the neckies those bird things that we hate from the first one have little pirate bandanas on them, oh right? man so, but i hate them they're the worst yeah, they're still the worst and they're worse in this game than they are in the first one they're the worst they're bad. <laughs> So, we will continue with Donkey Kong Country 2 uh, next week. We've got a lot to say on the back half of the game. And, yeah, it's honestly deserves two episodes and deserves this full conversation. So, that being said, like always, guys, we want to thank you for listening. And you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, our Podbean site. Follow and interact with us on our Twitter page, at Markers on the Map. And, you know, we'll be back next week with whatever news pops up and more Donkey Kong Country 2. We're starting the new year off here with some really, really good games as special episodes. And as the year, as the, you know, as we get into February, we'll probably have some regular episodes for a while because... We're, we're, we want to handle these special ones for you first because we're really enjoying it. We're enjoying replaying. I'm really enjoying replaying the games. So I guess there's not much else left to say except Sega, please re-release Sonic 3 and Knuckles with the original Ice Cap Zone music. And that the real Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie, was the ancient reptiles we did cartwheels into along the way. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Later. Later.